Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Morgan Coffee Co. is a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired by the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a new single-origin coffee from around the world and their new Flavor of the Month club. Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee and their recently released K-Cups. Visit Bean Mug and Coffee Co. and enter Cousins10 at checkout. Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Me and My Cousins podcast. Unfortunately, it's another week without the other cousins, Mike and Kenny. So it's Angelo uh, flying solo this week. But I did replace Mike and Kenny with two great guys, two great comics, and two great authors. And that's two guys all together. Uh, we got Tim Lowe. We got Steve Poston. Uh, two guys I've known in the comedy world for a couple of years. And both have books out in 2021. So uh, Tim Lowe published a book in 2021, right about the same time Stand Up and Laugh came out. And then Steve Poston actually published his book a couple years ago, but it's kind of refocusing on promoting that book in early 2021. So we're all kind of at different phases in the game. If you have any aspirations to write a book, to publish anything, I think you're going to get a lot from this. So it's three guys that are relatively new to the game, kind of sharing our experiences, which are pretty varied, honestly, um, and kind of different ways to attack the book writing process and the publication process, which hopefully you guys will learn from and enjoy. Uh, That being said, I want to thank every single person that bought, posted about, read, shared, stand up and laugh. It's available now from Microcosm Publishing, and the love has been really incredible, man. I I tried to write a book to help people out and and learn to do things the way we did at the Jersey Shore in the last six or seven years, and hopefully people are learning from that and enjoying it, and the feedback and support has been phenomenal. So thank you to everybody that supported Stand Up and Laugh in any way in the last two months. Uh, That being said, a couple things I want to shout out. You got to listen to me and my cousins every week. That goes without saying. We crush it every week. The best guests, the best family banter, the best three guys at the Jersey Shore. Uh, But two or three other podcasts I think you should check out. Number one, what had happened was it's Open Mike Eagle doing a super like eight to ten hour deep dive on a different artist every season. So season one was Prince Paul, and they covered everything about Prince Paul, one of the most innovative producers of all time. They did Stetsasonic, they did De La Soul, uh, they did Grave Diggers, they did a Prince Among Thieves, and just learned everything about Prince Paul. Right now, they're mid-season two, and they're covering LP, one of my absolute favorite musicians of all time. They talk about company flow, to Raucous, to Def Jux, to the other artists on Def Jux, to his solo albums, and of course, Run the Jewels, uh, the biggest thing in his career in the 2010s. Really cool. Super shout to him and Killer Mike for linking up and having the most commercial and critical success in their mid-40s, which is obviously super rare for rappers and just a guy that has an incredible history. So definitely check out what had happened was hosted by my guy, Open Mike Eagle, available now on Stony Island Audio. And on top of that, you want to check out Shattered. It's part of The Athletic. Uh, It's hosted by Chuck D from Public Enemy. And it's a super, again, deep dive analysis of what's happened to the New York Knicks since the 1999 finals against the San Antonio Spurs. And it just goes almost year by year of what went wrong for one of the most storied franchises in really all of sports, not just New York and not just the NBA. Um, it's kind of a, a sad state of affairs that is occasionally kind of funny. Uh, it's got great interviews, great statistical analysis, and then just kind of great 
kind of takes you back to the era and time they're talking about. So the newest episode, they talk about Linsanity. And if you remember that in 2012, they really covered just everything around Linsanity and what it was like to be around New York City and the Knicks at that time. So definitely check out Shattered, uh, hosted by Chuck D, available as part of The Athletic. And then the last podcast you got to check out, I hope you're doing it already, Balls. It's a murder mystery set in the year 2047. It stars, in my opinion, some of the funniest people in the world, but some of the most notable comics in the entire Jersey Shore comedy scene. And uh, you can find out more about the Balls podcast right now. I wasn't a bad professor of pop culture because I didn't know who Michael Ball was. Streaming on Spotify this Easter is one ex-comedian's quest for truth. I was a bad professor of pop culture because I fell in love with the girl who wrote a paper about Michael Ball. From the producers of Ohm and EP. You got two choices. It was across the Grandpa kills himself, right? Or his pee smells like urine. And the creators of Netflix is a joke. Comes balls. I almost made it as a comedian in the early 2030s. Almost had a Netflix Non-traditional Bildung's Roman audiobook telenovela hybrid podcast. I can tell by your tone of voice you're amazed by this, and me and my department are amazed by this as you are. It doesn't make any sense, particularly in the world that we live in, um, and the way we worship the wealthy and the famous. But it just it, it just needs to be gone. I haven't tried fitting my balls to the hole. Christ in Christmas, I say, get these balls off this tree. I think my favorite balls are probably the s'mores balls. I didn't know Michael Ball. Oh, yeah. I like my balls hard fried. No, but I used to babysit for him. From what I understand, he had no children. Balls. It's a podcast. Kind of. And it's time for another interview with the Me and My Cousins podcast. I am the only cousin on this interview because this is only for authors with published books. Mike and Kenny haven't done it yet, so they were not invited to this interview. But I got two crazy guests on tonight. Super excited to talk to them. I've been a big fan of both these guys on stage for, for one of them for a five or six years at this point for one. I, I met them earlier this year and they're, they're super funny. It's clear. They're great joke writers, great stage presence. But in the last couple of months, we've all put books out. Um, and I want to talk, we're going to touch on comedy a little bit because me and my cousins, we cover that, but I want to talk about writing a book, a publicizing a book. It's kind of a whole book thing. I think a lot of people think they have a book in them. And I think if you think you do, you should pursue that dream. Uh, but I think by listening to people like this, have already done it. You're going to be able to skip some steps or maybe go through them a little bit quicker than if you go into it totally blind. So without further ado, why don't you guys give it up for Steve Posting and Tim Lowe. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Excited. Doing very well. Thank, thanks for having us. Nice, man. So just real quick, let's go low first and then Posting. We'll just keep it alphabetical here on me and my cousins. Give me your quick bio, <laughs> comedy, writing, would everything get you to the point of publishing a book in 2021 that people need to know about? It? Well, at this point, I've been doing the comedy for probably like six or seven years, uh, not uh, counting COVID year because that was just uh, a wash for, for so many people. Um, uh, but I, I've been I've been writing probably since since high school. Um, and, and I've had a couple of um, uh, poetry uh, experiences as well. So the writing has always and plus I've, I have an English degree. Uh, undergraduate, so th there's been quite a bit of of writing, e even in, in late adolescence. So uh, it was probably not until 
uh, the past couple couple of years, where uh, obviously obviously doing the comedy, the uh, my writing shifted from poetry and more into uh, the the stand up art, and um, I've just been accumulating more and more uh, material for then. And then at the beginning of this year, I figured it was you know time to time to have a book come out of me. Cool, man. That gets the ball rolling a little bit for everybody listening. Uh, Poston, what's your story? How do you get from from A to B as far as becoming a comic and an author? Yeah, um, I didn't want to interrupt you during the intros, but uh, actually I am not uh, recently published. So this book has been published for years now. But um, I think part of the process as well is promoting something and the marketing aspect of it. So I don't know if in a future podcast will go more into that, but... Uh, I definitely feel that, you know, I still did earn my stripes in terms of being on this podcast as a guest, as a fellow uh, published author. But um, so my undergrad, uh, just like Tim, I was also an English major. And then for graduate school as a creative writing major. So we had to publish, we had to produce a work of publishable quality. And right after I graduated, I decided, and that's where I guess the transition will be that I'll let Tim talk about it as well, obviously. But Basically, after I graduated from uh, graduate school, that's when I decided to actually have my thesis for graduate school be uh, published and available to uh, for purchase. So the book's been out for a while now, but uh, I guess the analogy I'll give it's like it's like I've been in a band forever. We we have an album, but unless you promote it and stuff, that album is going to collect dust. So uh, yeah, so that's my story basically. So I've had the book for a while and. Uh, Hopefully, maybe even this podcast will get some, uh, some uh, you know, traction going and it'll regain its popularity that it once had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. We live in a weird time now where people put something out, whether YouTube video, book, blog post, whatever it is, and they focus on the, the initial week, right? The launch and what do I do the first 24 hours, first seven days? And they kind of yeah. let stuff die so quick these days where if you wrote a good book and it's five years old, theoretically you should be able to promote it and get it to new people now. And they should still like it. If you have a quality product, right? I feel like the way the world's moving now, we're getting further and further away from, from any even approaching, like little, not even classic, just any kind of longevity. You know what I mean? Um, real quick for anybody listening, if you're fans of these guys and it's your first time listening to me and my cousins, my background is I've been doing stand up since about 2013 consistently. Uh, I don't want to say I was the first, but I was one of the first guys or girls to do it consistently down in Asbury Park at the Jersey Shore. Uh, right around 2018 or 19, there's a bunch of, of articles written about how I was kind of like the, the first person to set up comedy shows at the Jersey Shore. Um, and that, that led to a lot of people contacting me about how do I do an open mic or how do I set up a venue? And that led to me writing a book about how to develop a local comedy scene. I, I felt the, there was a, a, not a need out there that that information is not out there anywhere. Um, and I want to try to help people if you're from another small town off the beaten path area, do what we're doing down at the shore and get that ball rolling with open mics and podcasts and, and book shows and showcases, that kind of thing, which led to what I have out right now is a zine. It's a shortened version of the full book that I wrote that will hopefully come out sometime next year, depending how the sale of the zine goes. And the publisher seems pretty happy so far, which is, of course, Microcosm Publishing. And you're going to learn more about that book right now. Stand up and laugh. Build a comedy scene, produce your own shows, and create community by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on microcosmpublishing.com. If you're trying to make your way in a world of stand-up comedy, you can build your career while enlivening your local comedy community and mutually supporting your fellow humorists, and you can even have fun while doing it. 
Anklo Ginger Ale shares his hard-won advice for anyone who wants to create a comedy scene from scratch in a smaller community, carve out their unique niche in a larger city full of professional funny people, or anywhere in between. Lots of good tips here for anyone organizing community events from how to book venues, get publicity, and avoid drama. Also includes great arguments for starting or joining a comedy scene rather than thinking of yourself as a lone wolf and solid wisdom for being an asset to an existing stand-up community. Stand Up and Laugh by Angelo Gingerelli is available now on microcosmpublishing.com. All right, so that being said, what made you guys want to write a, a book? Obviously, there's related to academia for both of you guys. It started off in, in, a, in a school in the higher education system. What led you guys to want to make that commercially available and not just, you know, get a grade or make it available to your students? Let's go Tim first on that. The, the, the simple answer is, is why not? Um, I, I've been doing a lot of, uh, uh, I think like a, a lot of people over the course of the, the pandemic have, you know, had opportunities to be a bit more uh, self-reflective and, and, and introspective. And for myself, um, I, I've, I've been wanting to expand my comedic palette a bit more and do more here and there. And um, I'm, I'm an avid reader and uh, I, I, I constantly have at least one or two, sometimes three books in, in a rotation and um, I thought, well, here I am, you know, reading all these people. Um, I write a lot. What is the difference between me and someone who has published a book? And it's that they just followed through and, and they and they did it. Um, and and it really isn't more complicated than that. Um, the 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 push for it the was a uh, I've been meeting with with a couple uh, comedy friends over the I would say like over the course of, of the past year and we would give each other assignments, like little homework assignments to keep our chops going because we were, we were getting so dull. And at the beginning of this year, um, one of the assignments was kind of come up with five things that you want to accomplish reasonable things that you can accomplish by the end of the year. And one of them was me writing a book. I didn't know what it was going to be. I don't know what, what I had envisioned, but I threw that out there as something that is, that was reasonably accomplishable, not like a, the next, you know, American novel or anything like that, but something that what I ended up accomplishing is what I, I think I had uh, pictured in my head. So combination of introspection, thinking, why not? And then this, this group that I was a part of that gave me the, uh, uh, the inspiration to challenge myself. Awesome, man. Posting, what got the ball rolling for you? Got the creative juices flowing. Obviously oh. you're started as a, as an assignment, but what then made you want to make that available to the world? Well, even uh, before that, uh, very similar to Tim, I'm definitely a poet. So I've been yeah, writing poetry for as long as I can remember. So in terms of getting the, the initial, uh, yeah, I, th I think uh, I'm not living the dream yet of walking. I mean, the ultimate dream is I see my actual book on bookshelves uh, available, like in a you know, brick and mortar place like a Barnes Noble or a mom and pop bookstore. So that's not, I'm not at that point yet. But uh, I definitely feel like one of the best feelings ever was uh, way when I was little, I wrote a haiku and I sent it randomly to Japan. And sure enough, a Japanese publication, the newspaper arrived in my mail like a few weeks later. And just the sheer joy of seeing, you know, my work internationally, you know, being represented was just it was. So I guess I've been like chasing that dragon, so to speak, of like getting that again. So um, and within the work, I mean, I know it wasn't assignment, like you're just kind of saying, but within the work, uh, it's definitely a create, it's, uh, you know, I consider myself an artist in, in that sense. So, uh, there is poetry within it. 
So it's a fictional work, but I definitely like to, uh, and I, I, uh, I definitely want to piggyback on what Tim said, like the whole like writing exercise aspect of it. Like I definitely would be writing a story, let's say I'm on page 10. And I was like, let me see for the next two paragraphs, if I can, you know, take on so-and-so challenge and just like see what happens with it. So, uh, but ultimately what you're saying, like the transition from it being to a work of academia to actually a published work is basically the the long the long goal is to physically see it uh in stores yeah i mean i I think i think seeing a product with either your name or your face on it in a commercial outlet is a rush like i can't even lie i get excited when i see my poster up on a stand-up show (laughs) dive bar in asbury right i love it i can't even lie but we're part of a weird generation of like i grew up loving bookstores and loving record stores right I put a book out. There's almost no bookstores left. And one of my next goals is to record a special and have a CD, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to buy a CD in 2020, 21. It's like, I I feel like I'm doing a decent job of like attaining my goals I had when I was a kid, but the world's changing faster than I can achieve them. So like, I can't go buy my my comedy CD and nobody beats the whiz because nobody beats the whiz has failed. It's been beat. More than, exactly, exactly. You could, in fact, beat the Wiz. I want to touch on one thing real quick because in this podcast right now, we have multiple master's degrees between the three of us, right? How yeah. much did that play in and what you learned in either undergrad or grad school help you, hinder you, affect what you did in your books? Mm. Uh, for me, uh, uh, for, for grad school, I took a playwriting class and I wrote a few plays. And that's actually another side, uh, you know, dream of mine would be to actually watch my uh, play performed, you know, and it came close to having that happen. So and then I had, I took a short story writing class and uh, to get into the grad school, you had to send them a 30 page manuscript. And that was only one of the stories. And then throughout my uh, grad school education for, you know, credit in the various classes I took, we had to produce more short stories. And then eventually, in essence, it's an anthology of uh, my short stories as the work. So it came about like each class that I got a grade on a short story I had to write. I was like, OK, let, let that be part of this uh, book. So it's a collection of short stories, in essence, that were produced through the classes I took. It's kind of cool, man. My my process is almost the opposite because my my degrees are in my undergrads in exercise science. My first master's is in health promotions. My second's an MBA, right? And everything that's written in those worlds are is so academic and so mm-hmm. meant to appeal to other academics. I went completely the opposite way. I wanted to write a book that literally anybody with any level of education could pick up, read, and apply like that week. So I don't want to say I wasn't influenced by what I did in academia, but I was almost influenced to purposely do the opposite. Tim, what was your experience like? Yeah, uh, uh, different from from both of you, because with my master's degree, um, it's it, uh, part of training to become a therapist. So the content obviously is 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 not that relatable. But what what was um, inspirational was with how much self-reflection and challenging and, you know, taking a lot of humble looks at yourself throughout that process, essentially putting ourselves on the chopping block. Um, uh, what is it that you want out of life? Um, uh, 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 what's, your, what's your meaning? What's your purpose? Um, uh, didn't exactly ring true for, because obviously I wrote the book earlier this year and I was in grad school a number of years ago. So there was a bit of a gap there, but a lot of what was taught in terms of going after your dreams and following through on things uh, those messages has 
have stayed in in my head uh probably because i'm also still being a a practicing professional um uh i'm challenging people like that all the time so it's kind of like uh the work that i do now is uh it forces me to be more congruent with my life like i can't tell someone to go after their dreams uh if I'm not doing at least a little bit on my part, it's going to feel so hypocritical. So maybe not so much the content of what I wrote, but the pursuit of, well, let me do what I want to do that, that satisfies me. Nice. And now I think the next thing people want to know is how do you write a book? What I want to get into with you guys is how did you guys attack the creative process? Did you force yourself to write every day? Did you write only when you were inspired? Was it like notes on your phone, then to your laptop? Uh, Tim, you could take this first. How did you sure. physically do the work to write the book? It was actually super simple for me because I, I actually wrote this book in piecemeal without even realizing it uh, throughout my time being a stand-up comedian because I am super organized with all the material that I have. I save it all to a jump drive, a, a folder in a jump drive, and that folder has a, a couple dozen topics. And I open up a document and it'll be everything about race or you know, uh, religion or whatever, whatever the topics are. And I went through all of my documents. I'm like, okay, how can I look at this document? Could, could I make this a chapter? And there was a, a number of topics that I had such a, a large amount of material and different jokes about it that I thought, all right, there's, there's enough here for, for, for this chapter. And then I just kept going through all my material and I have these huge chunks. I don't, I don't really write one-liners uh, or, or, or small bits. It's more of these like prolonged um, um, jokes that I have. And I pieced a whole bunch of them together. And look at that. I have I have a chapter. You know, let's go on to another subject. And um, the only real writing that I had to do outside of already having written the comedy material was uh, making it more book-friendly because I can't just superimpose a whole chunk of stand-up comedy and put it into a book, there wasn't that much flow. So um, most of it was already written. Um, the editing part was making it more flowy so that it reads better than just, you know, bit after bit um, as you would on a, on, on a stage. Nice. Steve, what was your process like? Um, I guess, yeah, to be candid, you said inspired. Um, a lot of times, uh, I would be intoxicated and uh, I know that there's, and that's a, we're all adults here. Yeah. It's, it's divisive. I know that there's others that are like, you know, the last thing I want to do when I'm intoxicated is, is, you know, type. And I think that was like a real, I learned a lot about myself. I think in terms of that, where I was like, you know, I'll never forget that one time I was, yeah, I was rolling on uh, I'm with, uh, I'm with my ex at the time. And I told her, I'm like, you know what I want to do more than anything right now? And she was like, uh, make out and stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to like feel my fingers on a keyboard because it just Yo, felt so natural that, to me. That, that's your true artist right there, man. Yeah. That's another level of artist. <laughs> so, um, and I think, uh, but in terms of uh, getting it done, I think um, if I don't have uh, deadlines imposed on me, um, the world's worst procrastinator. So I think it was great that I had the deadline that I literally had to finish this uh, as a thesis for a class by a certain date. And the only, uh, the other, uh, I guess it's like a cheat code kind of that I use that I stole from uh, Quentin Tarantino in terms of Pulp Fiction, how it's not chronologically in order. So I'd have the stories written and rather than spending the extra, who knows, because I, I guarantee it probably would have taken me months more, who knows, to be like, you know what, this has to come before that. I was like, I'm just going to present it 
So if anybody does, oh yeah, Angela, you have a copy of it. So it's three short stories, but if you noticed, I don't know if you did read it left to right, but that's kind of what I want to invite the reader to do is you can go in any order you want. And that really uh, cut out a lot of time for me. Now, obviously uh, that's gotten criticism too. I have, I have professors that would be like, this is way too confusing. Even the plays I wrote, she was like, how can you have act two and it doesn't go left to right from where act one was. And I was like, that's what I want to challenge my audience to. And that's what Tim said, piecemeal. So it's kind of like it's in piecemeal and the reader has to do a little bit of the heavy lifting to see how it uh, flows. So I say my, my, yeah, my two tips for any like listeners in terms of this, uh, you know, if you don't have deadlines, or you don't give yourself deadlines, it's really going to cost you. So deadlines for me is very critical. And number two, like, yeah, if, if uh, you know, when the moment hits and uh, if you have a, you know, pen and paper available or a, a laptop or a computer available, start striking those keys or writing those words down. Otherwise, I feel like that inspirational time is lost. Nice, guys. Really appreciate hearing that from you guys. But real quick, my process was a little different. My listeners haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to throw it out there real quick. Uh, because mine was really a, a how-to book, a manual, basically, I locked in my table of contents early. And then mm. I just went in and filled in the table of contents with the text as I went through. The other thing I did, which I think was a valuable lesson, at my day job, there's days I have to start at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and 8 a.m., depending on the time of the year and what's going on with my job, right? So what I did was for a year, I went to my office every day at six, whether I had to be there or not. And I wrote until I had to start work. So some days that would be the first hour of the day, some days the first two hours. Um, and I, that was my writing time, right? Then what I did was I printed it out and just I put it in my the, the glove box in my car. And I, any day I had my daughter, if my wife's working or whatever, we would go eat lunch. I would drive around so she fell asleep and took a nap. And then I'd pull over and I would edit with just like a red pen, old school English teacher style on the paper. Yeah, yeah. And then yep. I'd go back and do it on the, on, the, uh, on the computer and, you know, save it in a Google Drive and everything like that. But that's one thing I think I found that it forced me to make time to write the text for a year straight. And then... Luckily, my daughter was at an age where she was still doing the daily nap where I could do the editing in the car um, for an hour or two at a time on a weekend day or a you know, holiday or something like that, which I think worked pretty well. So the next question I have for you guys is I worked with a traditional publisher. You guys have taken some different paths. What did you guys think about the self-publishing process? Let's go posting first on that one. Um, well, that's when I learned, uh, I mean, I learned the hard way because I was looking for, you know, I want, and that's obviously why it's not in physical stores. Cause if you go like the long route, you have, you know, a, a literary agent and all those things. So once I realized, uh, that wasn't going to happen, I just, I luckily found it. And it's interesting that you brought up CDs earlier and stuff like that. So the site I used Initially, it was for like musical artists. So let's say you have like a music out. I mean, excuse me. Let's say you have a, a movie out, right? And you want to release a DVD. This was the whole idea of rather than having 100 DVDs of your movie and trying to get friends and family and strangers to buy it, it's just, it's on demand. So basically, if I want to watch your movie, I order it through the website and then a DVD gets sent in the mail to me rather than having a bunch of DVDs previously to it. So um, I don't know if that's what Tim used, but uh, I love POD, uh, stands for print on demand. So it's the whole idea because that was so intimidating to me. And I started with a very small goal. I was like, if I sell a dozen of these, I'll be happy. I've sold more than a dozen, but I also, yeah, I just didn't want to be that guy because I've heard of those others The you know, they get published and the publisher sends them, uh, you know, 25 copies of their book. They get rid of like the first dozen or so to family and friends, and then they're just collecting dust. So for me, the, the site's called createspace.com. 
I'll go more into it uh, in a little bit if you want, but uh, I'll uh, pass it on to Tim. But for me, I definitely felt that it's much better than the traditional route of an agent and all those other passable steps. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't going to go down the route of literary agent and publishing and, and all that. Uh, I mean, I imagine that that's possible uh, with where I'm at in my life. That would have just been, you know, like, let's let's write the book and, you know, deal with all that stuff later if self-publishing is is an option, which it very much is for, for, for people at our level. Um, uh, full disclosure, I hate myself for using Amazon, uh, but it was, it was the, you know, it, 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 it makes it so convenient. I, I forget what, it's Amazon uh, KDP. Um, I forget what, what those letters stand for, but I, I think is it's another like- Is it Kindle Direct Publishing? Yes, that's what it is. Mm. Um, uh, and there's an option of uh, having a print copy or just an ebook. Um, and uh, they actually walk through you the steps very easily. Um, uh, it's a matter of, uh, uh, most people already have an Amazon account and uh, you just have to link up a, a, a bank account so that when people purchase the book, um, it goes directly in, in, uh, uh, into your account. Um, but it's a, it's a fairly self-explanatory step-by-step um, uh, you, uh, you, you open up your account, um, you get to just da- download the, the PDF. It takes some finagling here and there to uh, like make the configurations from a Microsoft Word document into a more, because uh, obviously books aren't eight and a half by 11, you know, mm-hmm. computer right, papers. Formatting is different. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it takes some finagling to, you know, once you put yourself in that on, on the website and, and organizing things, it, it takes some, some effort. Um, but um, all the lead up to that very uh, user friendly. Uh, so my route was, was Amazon and, and it took all of, I don't know, maybe uh, like a couple, a couple weeks worth of uh, week weekends wise, not like weeks, weeks, but a couple weekends where I dedicated myself to organizing it all. And um, they have templates that you can use for um, uh, like heading and subheading for, for the, for the cover and back cover. So uh, Amazon is a route that you could go down to. I like what you were saying though, Steve, about uh, what was it? Um, uh, oh, funny enough, it's affiliated with Amazon. It's uh, called, yeah, yeah it's everything. Called createspace.com. Createspace. So, and uh, interestingly enough with you, because you said the K is for Kindle, when I was first releasing it, it was, they didn't really, they offered you like, yeah, we'll give you the print book. And then it was like, if you wanted to pay 60 bucks, they would convert it to like the uh, Kindle version. And I was like, unless I'm charging 60 bucks per unit of my book, I'm gonna have to sell that much more of the book. So, (laughs) but I did have the occasional person. I don't know if you've encountered that uh, Tim or Angelo, though, when I tell them that the book, they're like, Oh, is it available on Kindle? And I'm like, no. And then I'm like, Oh, there goes the sale because like you were saying, this generation, you know, there's very few people that are like, I want, I'm, I'm a bibliophile. So I want, I love, you know, yes. Yeah, so when I order Tim's, I hope you do have a print version available because I prefer that to, uh, you know, the PDF file, but yeah, mine's also through Amazon, createspace.com. Everything's Amazon. I bet microcosm will use Angelo in the long run. It's like, Oh, by the way, Amazon. Yeah. They just bought, they just bought microcosm two minutes ago. Uh, oddly <laughs> enough, you, that might happen eventually. Who knows But microcosm's biggest selling title this month is called how to fight Amazon. It's a book about oh, dope. battling <laughs> Amazon. Lovely. Right? lovely. So I, 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 that was also, it went from a zine 
that I bought last summer through a book out this year. So my goal is to follow that model, selling off of the zine to get the full book published in 2022. But one thing I'll say to everybody, if you're thinking about trying to pursue a traditional publisher like I did versus these guys, there's some good and there's bad, right? So if you guys agree with these. Number one, self-publishing, you guys have complete creative control, right? Everything from the text you use to the font you use to the way it's laid out to every word is completely up to you. I'm working with a great publisher. They've been super supportive. They assigned me an editor. Her name was Molly Seamus, did a great job helping me out. But even after every editing session I did, there was still more editing to be done. And I'm really thankful I got to work with her and learn that there's a different thing what you think sounds good in your head and what readers might think, right? So I got all that input from her, which has so far been incredibly positive. Um, but And they did the layout and they did the cover and they got it on some list that it might not be on. But in, at the end of the day, you're also paying for that service, right? Like you guys yeah. are assuming it's even close to 100% of your profits, right? I'm keeping a way lower percent because Microcosm is funding the editor and the photography and the marketing that now I'm doing a lot on my own too, but I'm making less per book than you guys are because this company is, is paying for me to have all this stuff. Right. And as, as I always say, I make a joke all the time about publishing. The only thing I really know about publishing, I've learned from rappers hating their record labels. Right. And mm-hmm. I went into it with that exact same mentality. And this has been really good so far. The first year I've been in business with microcosm, I couldn't be happier. Um, hopefully to keep putting stuff out with them in the future, but just realize you're making a choice when you, you know, it's like music. If you sign with a major versus signing with an indie, you have a chance yeah. to make more money and a chance to be more famous, but you're going to give up some of your creative control. I think it's, it's fair. I think it, it's a fairly fair system. Um, I feel like I'm getting what I'm paying for with the, what I'm paying on per book on this, in my opinion. Uh, next one, who knows? You know, my next one self-published. Maybe you guys go traditional route next time. I think it's kind of cool. We got three different perspectives on it. Yeah, um, yeah. That being said, when you announce a book on social media, you get a million likes. Everybody's like, oh, that's great. Congrats, the whole thing. How's it been since that first day for you guys? Have people been supportive? Are you selling more or less than you thought? Are you getting some podcasts and shows because of it? What's been the, the fallout, positive or negative, of publishing? The biggest potential for me, but there hasn't been follow-through with it, but in terms of you know fame and getting it huge, is uh, I have a friend who writes screenplays. And I jokingly was like, read it and uh you know write a movie based on it and sure enough he's yeah he puts everybody to uh i'm trying to think of the word but like uh to dust i don't know whatever think of the expression it's not like i'm a writer or something i can't think of this right. anyway uh yeah comparatively good so he basically reads my book in like less than a day and then later he's like here's the first uh 25 minutes of the movie that i'll make on based on your book and so he wrote a 90 page screenplay based on uh my book but wow. I mean, yeah, but it's just, you know, he has so many other projects that he's working on. So we've never actually taken the next step, which would possibly be like to talk to actors or actresses and like get the script out there and stuff like that. So um, other than that, uh, generally, uh, a lot of it's like what Tim and I are going to do probably, which is like, I'll buy yours, you buy mine, you know, like exchange process. So um, I'd love it to happen. I'm still waiting for that where it's, you know, so-and-so rando, you know, from some uh who, who knows what site that they they got somehow the link to the book and they were like oh let me buy this so that hasn't happened yet so i guess it's similar to comedy it's like oh so who goes to your shows and it's like everyone in the audience is you know friends so it's no like you know non-comics in the audience so same thing it's like basically everyone that's bought it but i mean acclaim and feedback i have gotten honest uh uh i guess the best compliment i've gotten is it's only three stories and there are three more the 
maybe I'll use a different publisher for when I do release the other three. So that's one of the, the best compliments is they'll finish the first three stories in like five minutes or whatever it takes, you know, and then they're like, oh, you know, when are you going to send me the next three? So, I mean, the fan base is friends, but there still is fans and readers of it. So. I, I'm going to get to Tim in one second. I'm going to throw one thing out there. I think I, I read this in a book about screenwriting about 10 years ago, right? And I think it really holds true is that a lot of time before people write their first book, write their first screenplay, do their first stand-up show, they think that's going to be their life's work and everything's going to change the minute they put something out. I think a better way to look at it is this is a project I'm working on. I, mm. I, I, for me personally, I'm happy with my first project. I want the next one to be better, next one to be better and keep getting better. Um, I think if you go into, I'm going to publish a book and like Tim said, write the great American novel, set the world on fire and change my whole life. That's probably a little unrealistic, right? But the idea of I'm going to do the best I can the first time out, get something out in the world. And if I sold 300 copies the first time, my next book, I want to sell 350 copies. That's kind of a good way to look at things of this is not my life's work. It's a project and there'll be more projects after that. That's the way I'm looking at it, at least. Lo, what do you got, man? Yeah. And to piggyback off, off that, um, 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 I, I really just wanted to say that I, that I did it. I wanted to know that, that I had this in me and, and let's see if I can follow through with it. And um, any, obviously, I, I want it to, I, I, I want it to have sold and you know, people to support, um, uh, which which has happened. Um, uh, when I when I first posted it, um, it was um, I was really blown away by uh, by the feedback, both um, by by family. That, that's that, that's understandable. You know, they're, they're going to be supportive and whatnot. Um, but by uh, fellow uh, comedians that uh, I have more of an acquaintance with than like tried and true oh of course i'm gonna buy it because we're you know we're best friends so uh, uh since since the initial um posting i don't think it's you know it certainly hasn't maintained that same level of um of excitement but people i would say uh if i'm at an open mic uh you know two or three times a week one or two of of those times out someone brings it up either where can they buy it or or just talking about it in general knowing that they saw it and express some interest. So I, I've been really happy with with the uh, you know consistent uh, feedback that I've been getting and uh, a lot of love and support from everyone. Well, one thing, I, two things that real quick. I think the outside perception is stand-up comedy is so cutthroat and competitive, which it can be. But I think all of us can agree the community's really supported us as far as putting us on podcasts, buying copies, shouting us out on social media, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, secondarily, the one thing I think all three of us have in common, when I see you guys do stand-up, right? It's very clear to me you're good writers just from your joke writing, right? So when you guys had books out, I was like, well, I definitely want to buy that and see what more of that writing is like, right? I think on my end, if you come and see me, I don't think I come across as a great writer on stage, but I come across as a guy that runs a lot of shows and open mics and has relationships with a lot of businesses and promotes stuff on this podcast. He knows how to do the business side of this a little bit. So let me read this book that is kind of like the, the whole background of how he makes this thing work when he's doing his thing at the Jersey Shores. I think we both kind of, all of us on stage are kind of like our own best commercial because people see a little bit of what we do and want yeah. more of it. Um, I know that that's why I bought your guys' books because I think you guys are great writers and I'm like, I want to see more of that than just five minutes until you get the light at the Brighton Bar kind of thing. Um, last thing I got, we got to wrap it up. Real quick, what are your next projects and where do we find you guys on social media and buy the books? So for me, uh, yeah, next project, I just said it. So, and maybe, uh, yeah, you could hold me to that because there are three more stories. Um, formatting's a bitch. That's what I, that's all I got to say. So like, I have the stories in word, but it's just a pain in the ass to like, you know, present that. So possibly the next three stories coming out. And like I said earlier, maybe uh, play one day, 
Um, in terms of where you could find it, yeah, Amazon.com. Surreal Cereal is the name of it. S-U-R-R-E-A-L, S-E-R-I-A-L. Um, and I just wanted to bring up real quick for Angelo, because you said you majored in, uh, or you studied marketing. And I think that's a, that's perfectly transitions because getting a comedy comedy getting a comedy scene to develop is all marketing because you you have those tools and skill sets to make sure that people show up to watch us so like that's why I, when i was at brighton bar i'm like wow there's there's at least you know 20 something people here because angelo makes sure that they you know advertise and get the scene developed so uh appreciate that man thank yeah. you so i think that it totally correlates um We're yeah i had a hiccup I, I have to reorder your book again so uh but yeah i'm definitely gonna order it but uh, yeah so surreal cereals it um just my name, yeah, on, on the social media. I mean, Postin Postin is my uh, Instagram, P-O-S-T-I-N-P-O-S-T-E-N. Uh, so last name is Postin. So yeah, on Amazon.com, just type in Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, space P-O-S-T-E-N, Surreal Serial. And uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see how it goes. So Tim, what do you got for us, man? In my immediate future, I've, I've been having a lot of fun um, uh, expanding my, my Instagram page and, and shooting uh, sketches uh, for, for myself and editing uh that process is is quite an adventure so in the immediate future uh a lot of stuff on instagram handles uh, the uh, the tim low um but more so in the long run you you posting even talking about screenwriting i want to get more into into playwriting um uh one of the assignments that i I mentioned the the group that that i've been meeting with um uh, a wonderful assignment of writing a 22 page uh pilot and we all Perfect. followed through on that. And I got great feedback that my dialogue that I write is very much what can be pictured on, on stage. So um, I don't know what that entails, but I'd like to get more into, into playwriting as well to see if I have, if I have a, a one or maybe even a, a, a two-act play in me. Uh, and you can find, find the book on Amazon. It's the easiest way to get it is because a lot of times people have a hard time finding it, I guess because it's not like a popular search thing. But you can go to my Instagram the Tim Lowe and the link is in, is in the bio. You can get it there. Uh, Tim Lowe, um, all the things I know is the, is the title of my book. Nice. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of me and my cousins, uh, three authors, round table discussion style. I had a ball with this. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners did too. Uh, we got Tim Lowe. We got Steve posting. Of course, I am Angelo Ginger. My book is called stand up and laugh available now on microcosmpublishing.com. I'm super excited to see these guys on stage again, hopefully sooner than later. And uh, these books are great. You should go out, get them, read them, love them, enjoy them. Uh, Like the great KRS once said, take that pillow out of your head and put a book in it and make that book one of these from either Steve Post and Tim Lohr, Angelo Gingerelli. Me and my cousins. Take it all three. (laughs) It's a podcast. reading marathon with our books. Yeah. If you're not listening to the Me and My Cousins podcast, do you even listen to podcasts? Every other podcast is soft like a Twinkie feeling compared to me and my cousins. Already on season two, we've had a recap of my epic roast battle at Ghost Harbor Creative with Sean McDonough. We've had the founders of NJ Spots. We've had Tadpole Trivia. We broke down the Dark Knight trilogy. We had the guys from Telegraph Hill Records. We had Chris Rockwell, poet, open mic host, rapper, writer, comedian Chris Rockwell. We've had both of the two fit crazies. We've had John Beecroft and Joe Weber from Comics, Cartoons, and Craft Beer. We've had touring comic and ultra marathoner Dan Lamour. We've had authors like Tim Lowe and Steve Poston. And we've had Asbury Park's best photographer, Jeff Cresty. If you don't listen to me and my cousins, what are you doing?